I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. Don't miss Cold's new Season 3, where I look into the unsolved disappearance of Cherie Warren, a woman last seen leaving her job at a Salt Lake City office in 1985. Police cast suspicion on Cherie's estranged husband and boyfriend, but never made any arrests or recovered Cherie's remains. Find Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie, anywhere you get your podcasts. It's your voice and your vote. Daily in-depth coverage on Dave and Dujanovic. In-depth and important coverage. We're just a couple of weeks out from mail-in ballots being sent out. Last week, we talked to Devin Thorpe. He's the challenger running against Representative John Curtis in the 3rd Congressional District here in Utah. And today we are speaking with the current representative and Republican nominee, John Curtis. Let's just remind you. Uh, he was once the mayor of Provo. He was elected to Congress in 2017, and he serves on the House Natural Resources and Foreign Affairs Committee. Let's bring on the representative. Uh, John Curtis is on the line right now. Uh, representative, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, I'll just jump right into it. We've been talking Great. about uh, the president's income taxes after the New York Times reported that he paid 750 bucks the year he was elected, uh, none in previous years. Do you think this is uh, a real thing? I mean, did he really pay six hundred or seven hundred and fifty bucks in taxes? I, you know, I don't know, and I don't have any way to know. And of course, there's so many variables with that. One of the things that I do know, and I think it's important for for voters to know, is that um, we're required as elected officials on the federal level, and this is the president as well, to disclose everything. I, I can't buy a stock without disclosing it. I can't sell a stock without disclosing it. I can't, I can't uh, get any income at all without disclosing it. I can't uh, sell a home without disclosing it. Everything we do must be disclosed in every, every like, I think it's every 45 days that has to be disclosed. And so there, much of the president's dealings are already known and, 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 and public to, to the American people. And I, I think sometimes that, we, we talk about this as if his whole thing is being held back, but there's a tremendous amount of information out there. And the second point I'd make is if Congress or if the American people feel like he should uh, disclose his tax uh, returns, then Congress should pass a law saying presidents need to disclose uh, their tax returns. And um, it, this shouldn't be just a President Trump discussion. This should be what do we want from all presidents? Well, Representative Curtis, do you think President Trump should release his tax returns. Only if we pass a law that says he should. Otherwise, you know, like like I said, we've passed a law that has to disclose a tremendous amount of information. But there really is no no bearing on his responsibility uh, to to produce his taxes. And if we feel like it's a good idea for him to do it, then, then we should pass a law and all presidents should do it. Utah County, uh, shifting gears a little bit, is leading the spike in COVID cases. Uh, I think 3% of the population has had it. Should, should there be a, a statewide mask mandate or even a federal mask mandate? Uh, no. And, and by the way, I, I chuckle a little bit because um, when I was on the plane coming back to Utah last time, I thought, holy cow. I'm going into the most dangerous place I could possibly go. Maybe I should stay here in Washington. There's so many cases right now. But a mask mandate is just really a bad idea on a national level or state level because circumstances vary so dramatically. I remember talking to a county commissioner in, in San Juan County, 
And I said, so how's it going uh, with, with COVID? And he said, well, I'm on a tractor eight miles away from the nearest human being. Why would we mandate that he wear a mask? And yet, and there are other places where it's very, very important uh, that we're wearing masks. And so I think these things are, are handled on a local level uh, much better than they are on a state, of course, federal level. What I want you to give uh, some idea of what's the one thing you'd accomplish immediately if you are reelected? Well, it's been very, very important uh, that I'm representing the district when it comes to COVID and the COVID legislation. But clearly, that's become our highest priority, and is you know for the district uh, during the last uh, three or four months. Uh, that aside, uh, we have some very important things going on in the district with public lands. Um, and, and, and other issues that are just really, really important. And it's, it's hard to prioritize them, but we've been fortunate that we've passed a, a number of bills. It's almost getting to double-digit bills into law, all of them dealing with issues that are really important here in the district. Uh, Amy Coney Barrett uh, was nominated by the president for the Supreme Court, and then, uh, sure enough, it, it sounds like there's a bill in the House that's looking to uh, put a term limit on the Supreme Court, perhaps 18 years. Is that an idea worth exploring? Is that a bill you could get behind? Well, it sounds a little bit like uh, BYU passing the law that University of Utah should only be in Pac-12 for, for 18 years. <laughs> right? like, it, it, of course, now that they don't have all of their picks there, they want term limits. Well, they didn't want term limits you know, a few months ago. And um, I just don't, I don't, I don't see, or it doesn't make any sense that because your team doesn't have the football right now that, that you're going to pout about that. Representative Curtis, going back and following up on Dave's questions about mask mandates, uh, you were once the mayor of Provo. Uh, Michelle Cafusi, now the mayor of Provo, vetoed the Provo City Council's uh, move to mandate masks in Provo. Her veto was overridden by the city council. If you were still mayor of Provo, would you have done the same thing uh, Mayor Kafusi did and veto uh, the city council's uh, mask mandate? Well, that's a hard question, right, because there's so many variables. I, I, I'd like to think, and I, this isn't to reflect uh, a thumbs up or thumbs down on her decision, but more I would have worked with the city council to find the right resolution. Uh, when I was mayor, I used the, the veto one time. It was actually when the city council asked me to because they didn't like the, the law they passed themselves. I think it was just really important to work hand in hand with the city council and come up uh, with the same answer. I, I, it's hard for me to know because I wasn't there. I wasn't part of the discussions if that was even an option. But that's the ideal thing. But Provo is clearly spiking, and the governor moved it back to orange, also moved um, Orin back to orange last week, the orange phase. Um, What is Provo getting wrong? Well, I think it's it's clearly a correlation of of the school starting, uh, Utah Valley University and Brigham Young University. And if if you're going to pinpoint what we're doing wrong is we're somehow not motivating these students to socially distance and to wear masks. And that's where the outbreaks are, and it's 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 just really clear what's happening. And we've got to get these students to take this seriously, uh, whether there's a mandate or not, that they have a responsibility uh, to to not spread the disease. And I I, I I regret that that's not happening. Representative John Curtis, thanks so much for joining us. Uh, elections here in in Utah are going to start in the next couple of weeks when ballots start arriving, uh, but. Well, who knows when we're going to know <laughs> the actual winner, Debbie. It's going to be slowly building, uh, you know, it's probably much longer than we're comfortable with. 
Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind, only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do? in the face of an international disaster decades in the making. That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen.